Hi there, I'm Neil Salas Griffin. I'm a teacher, a former founder, and a former mayoral candidate in the city of Chicago, and currently the managing director of Techstars Chicago Accelerator, where I have the honor of helping young companies grow and flourish. Each week, we bring together a rotating cast of high-powered and provocative guests to talk through the most pressing topics of the moment. It's a free-form and unscripted conversation from the Techstars Podcast Network. Let's go! I am so happy to have Claire here because I've known her for a long time. Uh, We've been very close friends for many years. We met in college, but right now Claire is the CEO of Know Your Team, and she is doing incredible work making people happy at work. And I'm sure you'll have a lot more to say on that because we'll close out this session talking about that very subject. But before that, there's a lot of other things to talk about, Claire, but how are you doing? I am doing really well, all things considered. Right. Yeah, it hasn't been easy. Crazy time. It's been a weird world to live in, and I think, like personally for myself, I've been so blessed. Everything's fine. Family, you know, family's healthy. Like business is good. Everything's fine, but the world is really suffering, and that affects me. (laughs) Like it's of course heavy. There's a lot of getting about so many, so many small businesses, just so many people, so many families, and I'm just like, what is going? on well and i'm sure you're not even thinking about them you know them like you're helping companies every day you're working with founders and individuals and people at companies who are probably dealing with a lot of these hardships so i'm actually curious about that that actually launches right into our first topic because we're a year from most of us working from home and our daily lives have been changing a lot of people are talking Mm -hmm. about hitting a wall when it comes to productivity and focus so Mm -hmm. they're not traveling Mm -hmm. they're not seeing other people and it's clearly taking a toll on a lot of people's mental health so what are you hearing and seeing in companies and in cultures and, and what can we do about it in the meantime while we still navigate this thing? Absolutely. Well, I think there's everything that you just shared, Neil, is so true. And weirdly enough, there's this interesting silver lining that I feel like has appeared too, because for the first time, I think in many years, companies are actually asking that question of what are my employees' mental health states? Because they realize there's a lot of crazy shit happening and there's no way that my employees can be focusing just on work. It's impossible. Some got it and some didn't. Yeah. And I I think in the past, that question just hasn't really been been at the forefront for a lot of CEOs to be asking, but now it's getting asked a lot. It's going, Claire, what questions can I ask? What can I be doing for for my team? I'm even depleted. What do you do? Forget about trying to increase my employees' morale. Like my morale as a leader is at an all-time low. What do I do? And so a lot of things that we talk about at at Know Your Team is, and this is common knowledge, is is you can't give if you're not giving to yourself, first and foremost. So that self-care, right, has to start with yourself. And we talk a lot with leaders about you have to fill your own cup first, right? You have to check in with your own mental state. Before Oxygen mask on your face first. That's what they tell you on the airplane. Exactly. Exactly. And I think for people who are, you know, perpetual helpers who like to fix a problem, who want everything to be okay, it's not the, the natural instinct. So I think the, the environment has actually put this forcing function on leaders and organizations to go, oh, things are not okay. And that's okay. So it's in a weird way, it's actually been beautiful just to see that question start to be asked. I think another thing that we talk to a lot of leaders about is how do you also 
tell how an employee is doing and feeling like how do you get the sense of do they have shit going on at home or are they really overloaded with just current events and trying to understand you know is, is there an insurrection happening in our country just like yeah. there's a lot going on well claire and, a lot of people have that question in their minds like they're in a position where yeah. they're working with or managing other people and they're stuck in knowing how they can even find out or assess how someone's doing so I know you're an expert on, on helping people figure this out. So I'll, I'll cheat and ask you straight up, like, how do we do it? Yeah, of course, the silver bullet answer is always convenient, but non-existent. But maybe a, a second best answer would be to ask people simply, how's your energy level these days? Mm. Not how are you doing? Not, hey, what's going on? Not how's life or how are you feeling? feeling it's just oh i'm fine i'm doing okay i'm feeling it's hard but how's your energy level these days and you can start with yourself as a leader you go hey my energy level has actually been a little bit on the low side i've been i'm excited about what we're working on but i'm I'm tired and here's why let's just let's demonstrate this claire how's your energy (laughs) level how's your energy level right Uh, now claire this is totally your style to do my (laughs) right my energy level is it's high but frustrated honestly like I have this Mm. feeling of there's so much progress that we're making with know your team and I also want to be helping so many more people in a deeper way and I know that so many people need our resource so there's this feeling of I don't like frustration is the first word that that comes almost like that tension between you want to see an outcome or help something be true and it's not quite there yet Mm -hmm. but being excited and energetic for that but it's frustrating like admittedly frustrating but that's where where my energy is at so you have the energy to do what you need to do but there's like frustration and wanting to direct it fully in in a way that that you're excited about. That's awesome. Right. Or outcomes have it happening, of course, is as fast as we would like or naturally impatient. And humans, we always want to say, oh, why isn't that thing better, faster? Why can't we help more people faster? Oh, oh, oh. The founders who are listening <laughs> get, and you're nodding right now. So you feel me. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, there's a tech stars book called do more faster. And sometimes we, yeah. we, we quip that it's, it's not always about that. It's not the best name to, to have because sometimes you need to move slower to make more progress. Exactly. So slow is smooth and smooth is fast. My buddy Amos, managing director in Techstars Austin, said that to me recently and I, it really resonated. So I, w- I would match you, Claire. I would say I have high but frustrated energy as well. And that's both professionally mm. and personally. Huh. Yeah. High energy, meaning like I'm, I'll do whatever it takes. Like I've got it. I've got the juice. I don't need a day off right now. Like I'm ready to just rock. But the frustration is around, like you said, wanting to make progress in a variety of ways, in a variety of areas that are important to the people I care about, my family, my friends, uh, my founders, the people I'm mentoring, like all these, there's so many layers to help people right now. Like I could go, I could spend all day right now driving around Chicago, delivering groceries to family members and friends who need it. And I'd like to do that, but instead I have to do other things and try to invest in technologies to do that. So a lot happening there. But speaking of technology, changing subjects Mm. a little bit, you may have heard about uh, Robinhood, the app that allows people to buy and sell stocks. And then there's this company called GameStop, which I I don't know if you've ever probably set foot in, Claire, but it's a place- set foot in a GameStop. You I have? Know I know what you they sell to your incredulity. Yeah. For, for folks listening, Neil likes to poke fun at the fact that I'm not a big fan of video games and Neil is the biggest fan of video games. Well, the reason she's not a GameStop big fan is. is because she's competitive and she likes to win. So if she plays a game and doesn't win, <laughs> she's going to throw the controller at you. So that's what I remember from college. But yes, you got it. So with GameStop, Claire, like the ending has been 
somewhat familiar. The individual investor is getting the short end of the stick. So I don't know how much you heard about. I'm happy to explain. But basically, people on Reddit, a subreddit called Wall Street Bets, rallied and boosted the value of the GameStop stock in a way that made some people in the short term very wealthy. But a lot of people took some serious bets and lost out as well. But the big part of the story is the fact that a lot of the hedge funds and the billionaire class were impacted in a negative way by these results, at least in the short term. But in the long term, it seems like everything's going to be okay for most of those folks. So as far as how that played out, like just the general impact on society, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I wanted to start with your reaction uh, to the extent that you've been familiar with what's happening or have heard about it. Yeah, no, I can't consider myself an expert or paying extremely close attention. Like People. the casual, here's yeah. the thing, like the casual lay woman on Twitter, what I found fascinating about the situation is you have Ted Cruz, AOC, mm-hmm. and Donald Trump Jr. all agreeing for the very first time that all this was bullshit. And I found that fascinating. Right? Ah, we have, we have alignment finally. <laughs> Yeah, here we have people actually completely different sides of of the aisle and coming from completely different places agreeing that this is is ludicrous. And sometimes it takes a situation as absurd and almost, I hate to use the word comical, but that's the way it it played out. It's just like, wait, what? Is this real life? We've been through a lot in the past year. For it to new year to be this, yeah, it's a lot. Exactly. There's a lot that's been going on. So my reaction to to it all is absolutely does this point to huge inequities and flaws in our system? Does it point to the ways in which we clearly have tilted and value people who just have way, way more money than people who don't? The winners just keep winning. And hey, I'm all for capitalism. Like I'm a capitalist. Like, there's a reason that my business is not a nonprofit. You know, like I'm all about making money. That's great. But it, this, wasn't a, this wasn't a fair or free market system at all and clearly rigged. And so I think for, for me, it was what an interesting event to get people who usually can't agree on a single thing to actually say, oh no, we got to do something about that. That was right. my, my kind of feel on it. Well, and, and what I would yeah. add is just it, this is exposing uh, a fundamental flaw that, that has been exposed by plenty of people over a long period of time. But now that it's entered the public stage in a way that everyone was talking about, people were joking about it, making memes on it in the internet, young people out there are like, wait, how do stocks work? There's curiosity that's been activated in people's minds because of this. And I see that as a net good, net positive. I know some people have Mm. gained some money. A lot of people have lost money because of this legalized gambling scenario. I sincerely hope that people explore our side of things a bit more at the earlier stage. Like I'm an investor, but I don't invest in in public stocks. I invest in early stage companies because Mm -hmm. I like being close to the impact Mm -hmm. and the outcome. So back when we were in college, Claire, I think about the fact that these lured opportunities to be consultants and investment bankers were dangled in front of our faces as a way to make a lot of money and hopefully make a difference. But that difference piece Mm. wasn't always obvious or palpable to me. Uh, Seeing Mm. a means to make investments in businesses that you want to support, that you want to own, because you believe in the business, you believe in the product or service it provides to the public as a good is something that I just really want to continue encouraging people to do. So they say when you're investing in stocks, Mm. one simple way to think about it to start as a beginner is to own what you 
Like it's, it's to buy what you own or buy what you know. So, yep. so let's buy some toothpaste. Let's buy some coffee. Let's buy things that we use every day that we can assess and that have publicly available stocks to, to trade. So those are my rough thoughts on it, but I'm a novice in that field. I, I only do early stage stuff. I love the, the alignment between wealth creation and, and value creation that it's, we only get ours. We only build what we're seeking to build if it's also in line with the kind of world we want to see be true. And yeah, I love that idea that, okay, maybe people will wake up to seeing that a little bit Invest more in the world that you want. Invest in the world that you want. If you're going to spend money on things, spend it on the things that you really want to have that money. Exactly. We'll get there though. Our topic number three is a uh, good old clubhouse. Are you on Clubhouse, Claire? No. Okay, no, but you've heard about no. it? Our our buddy Jason is yeah. like all about it right now. He just gave like a beaming endorsement of the platform yesterday on Twitter. But it's That's been percolating a lot in our world of people. Yeah, I joined in August because what, of our what buddy What were just Carr. valued at? I don't know. Yeah, what Probably are they billion. valued at? Yeah. yeah. You, what's been going on with Clubhouse as, as a platform, I think is pretty, pretty exciting. But the past few weeks, it's left into the mainstream. What thoughts and impressions do you have about how companies, especially younger companies, can use this to learn, network, and build their own businesses? Yeah. One full caveat, I am not uh, a member, so I've yet to experience it firsthand. I've read a few things, obviously know people who are a part of it. And what I've at least gleaned is that community and the way you build community trumps everything. So building community I mean, is a like, very makes a huge difference for a business at early stage. Exactly. And it's that whole gosh, I forget who wrote the piece and coined this term is that all you need to build a business is a thousand fans. So a thousand people who absolutely just love what you do, they're willing to pay you a hundred dollars and that's a business right there. But that's all you need. You don't need a million customers. You don't need 10,000. It's actually just a thousand fans. And I think the interesting thing of what Clubhouse does is it gives you that space to create that fandom. And that's actually what sort of meta what they did with the product. The, the, to, <laughs> it's funny. The reason I'm not a part of Clubhouse right now, and you, know, you probably know this based off my personality, like wait. anything that's like pop, anything that's like popular or like you go hot, against the grain I'm, a little bit maybe likely to to our detriment but for people who know me really well like that's not surprising that i haven't even i'm like clubhouse yeah i'll read about it learn about it but not really clamoring or super interested in being a part of it maybe yeah i'd love to at, at some point but it's but It'll be waiting for, for you so I, I got people, an invite for I'm you sure. if you want it i would love to i think it's it sounds so cool i've heard a lot of things about how the user action has been uh, really pleasant how they do onboarding has been really strong, just like the ways it's opened up conversation in a, in a myriad of different ways, how you can be in the same room talking to someone or listening to someone who you could never imagine uh, doing so. But I, I think your question of how do you think this could affect early stage startups? I, I don't know if I can speak directly on, oh, you could use Clubhouse and these, you know, marketing and and community building efforts. But I just think in general, one thing that Clubhouse actually did nail as a product is the FOMO experience yes right? people are talking about so, not having access to it and they want it i offered you an invite just now like that's in the lexicon exactly. that's what we're discussing and how it works exactly I, superhuman is superhuman the email is, platform you know, yeah. is a recent product exactly and amazing way to to launch and, and get traction helping people feel special how do you help your customers and prospects feel special how do you help them feel like they're a part of something bigger how do you help them 
feel like they are talking about investing in a world that you want to be true, that actually the more they're spending in, in Clubhouse, giving feedback, creating channels, contributing to speakers, inviting new speakers, that they're creating a world where, oh, this is the kind of world I want to live in. Totally. And the point you made about building community, I think that's probably yeah. one of the best things that we could highlight here as we think about this subject, because yeah. that is such a differentiator and a an unfair advantage for a lot of early stage companies. If you find a way to build a community, like I tell people this all the time, I can teach you and declare this directly. I can teach you how to build Twitter probably in a month. We could spend a few weeks together or weekends and nights like intensely practicing. And I could give you the basic Ruby on Rails tutorial that would get you to a point where you built the initial functionality that tool started with, but that won't matter. Even if you can replicate what Twitter does as a product and platform, the community and the people that are a part of it is what differentiates them ultimately. So Mm -hmm. that's the opportunity a lot of early stage founders have with uh, networks like what are accessible now through Clubhouse and in my view. And I had a recent experience using Clubhouse. So I signed up in August, never used it. Ben Parr walked me through how it all worked. I hung out in a room. It was super weird. Met a lot of people I didn't know. And it was really incredible to see how smooth the experience was. Came back on it last week with David Cohen, co-founder of Techstars and uh, now chairman of our board. And we did an event about the Chicago tech community and the ecosystem, what was happening. And I'm not going to lie, it got a little heated. It got a little spicy in there. Logan and Troy, my predecessors, had very different points of view on what was happening in, in, in the local space and the community and what needed to happen. So that was fun to be a part of and referee. And it's just a way for people to have conversations as if you're in a room. And it felt closest to what we used to have before COVID. So I think that's why people are gravitating towards it because they've Mm -hmm. been yearning Mm -hmm. for the ability to have this kind of active dialogue with different people showing up and stepping on stage and having their, you know, voices heard and uh, being able to ask questions and meet people that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. So it's, it seems really promising. I, I wish them all the best. I hope they succeed. And uh, maybe my team at Techstars is going to force me to use it more because right now I'm only doing it when people really compel me to get in there for an event. One thing that you highlighted, this community aspect, you got me thinking like, God, that word is thrown around all the time, right? Oh yeah, you got to have a community. And hey, we have, even as a part of your team, we have a leadership community. A lot of our competitors have communities. I'm sure as you think about Techstars and growing your cohort of founders, it's, oh, how do we build community with founders? All that. And the thing that I, (laughs) what the hell is community? What does that mean? Is it just like this affinity of, oh, we have this shared experience or this set of shared issues that we can talk about? Or is it something deeper? Is it something uh, that you feel like there's a, a bigger idea that your your efforts are being put towards. So whoever's listening, you know, to this, I do. If you're going to take away community, also maybe take away the question: What is community? What is it? What does that yeah, look like? Yeah, define it for yourself. Yeah, for my yeah, define, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that's such great advice, Claire. Thank you. And speaking of which, I I, I do think I'm going to find a way to make this relevant to you. The next topic's about U.S. <laughs> politics. So I oh. think were you were you were a political yeah. science? You were studying I... poli sci. At Northwestern. So I started off. I started off as a poli sci econ major. Just realized I didn't like poli sci classes. I have felt like my kind of in tuneness and activeness in in politics as an American citizen has really ebbed and, and flowed. When I came first came out of high school, my grandfather, as you know, he was the the U.S. ambassador or sorry, Korean ambassador to the United States. Right, like super heavy political history there. I 
thought, oh, maybe I'll go into international relations. And so it's something that this idea that there's a, that the idealistic purpose of this thing that we call government is to help people and help our society. That's the idea. I've always hoped could be true. And let me tell you that optimism has faded dramatically (laughs) in in the uh, preceding years. And sadly, it's, I've been, I've been very apathetic and my own personal journey around politics. I've actually, most recently, I've been just thinking about, gosh, like there are so many issues that I care about and so many things that I think could be better. And I had to hold up a mirror to myself actually recently, Neil, and go, gosh, I want, I want people to embrace their citizenship more fully and be more fully participating citizens. And guess what? Guess who's not doing that? That yeah, right? he had to look me. in the mirror. Yeah, that's it. Chicago. Yeah. Don't Tell be careful. Me. Don't look in there too long. <laughs> you might run for something. I would vote for you too. You could do oh, something. God. Probably in California. Oh. That'd be God, good. But I, well, I have I do have a relevant you, like current you, example. You know, you would have to pay me to, to run. But that's right. Well, that's how me. it works now, unfortunately. You know, that is true. Actually, that is actually, actually yeah. how the system works, yeah. So look, so there was a big story this week. I don't know if you heard about it, but there's this thing called QAnon and there's a congresswoman from Georgia. Her name's Marjorie Taylor Greene and Democrats have been working toward removing her from committees because without getting too much into the politics, this felt somewhat relevant to what you do, Claire, because there is very often a need to deal with toxicity and negative people and personalities in the workplace. Mm. So Mm -hmm. not to parlay this too much into that subject, but you're the expert at the company level when it comes to dealing with issues like this. How can early stage founders deal with negative people and personalities in the workplace? I think the first place to start and coming from a learning organizational change background, you may feel me on this, is that learning in an organization happens on the greatest level literally by observation of action so what is being observed is being acted upon is going to equal acceptable behavior and if there are no consequences of that behavior and when i mean consequences i don't necessarily mean negative but just no resulting actions and that is going to just be implicitly understood as accepted so the most powerful thing you can be thinking about as a leader you know, especially around negative personalities or toxic situations, I think is less about, oh, what should we say to the person or what should we say to our team? How do we move things around? But truly, like most directly, what are you doing with the person who's creating the toxicity? How quickly are you acting? How strongly are you acting? And I think there's a spectrum, right? You probably, I think what happens in most companies actually is a less obvious situation of toxicity. And the most common situation is you have a person who's toxic, but not everyone knows they're toxic. Actually, to some people, they're great. And so it's actually really difficult because you're like, oh God, I have to remove the popular person. Or like, what do I, and so people sit on it, et cetera. So the thing that in that situation is, okay, if that person, if they're going completely unchecked because there are a good number of people who aren't aware of the way that they're being toxic, As a leader, again, what is that direct action that you're taking? You have to remove the person or have them go on leave or whatever it is, right? Come up with a plan to to deal with it, however that might be. And make it extremely transparent to the team in a way that obviously isn't disrespectful to the person, 
but make it really clearly transparent. Here is acceptable behavior. And you only do that by action. You don't do it by saying, oh, so, you know, these things that this person did were okay, but we should try to do this. It's not what are you doing actually with the person and with the situation directly. Again, it's a big spectrum because obviously what the person is doing could be really severe, really minor, but. Right. It goes back to our earlier, you know, part of this conversation where it's like, how do you even assess it? How do you like determine it in the first place? What systems do you have in place for people to uh, communicate when there's a problem like that Mm -hmm. with someone or how do you spot it? So Mm -hmm. I I don't know the answer to Mm -hmm. those things fully, but I've definitely had my own set of experiences with it. And I think what you just said is totally, uh, you know, that reflects what I've done so far with success. Yeah. And I think too, one framework that could be useful for people, especially to answer that question of, ooh, is this even a situation where I should be even taking some kind of action is let's look at what your ultimate goal is, right? Which usually is you're trying to achieve an outcome via teamwork, right? And when you think about what the true definition of teamwork, and this is an organizational scholar, Edgar Sheen, right? In 1980s, he said, this is that teamwork is essentially a set of mutual helping relationships. Mutual helping relationships. That's teamwork. That's effective teamwork. Okay. Mutual helping relationships, relationship between this person or whatever, or between this person and who, is it mutually helping? And that usually will get you your answer. Thank you. That's super helpful. So let's wrap this thing up with one more. And this one I think is going to be your, I hope this is your favorite subject because it's about positive (laughs) workplaces. Your life's mission, Claire, is to help people become happier at work. That's your life's mission. And it's so cool that you have that plain spoken. It's on your Twitter profile. It's everywhere else. So you speak it loud and proud. So as our final topic, are there three simple things everyone can do to help become just a little happier? If you look at the research, first and foremost, around what causes someone to say they had a good day at work, right? What the research will tell you, and this is a really famous study that was done where they had a couple thousand people, factory workers do this, where they journaled every day. And then they did a correlation between when they said they had a good day at work versus a bad day at work. What they found in the research is that the people who said they had a good day at work did one thing, which is that they made progress on meaningful work. So this is a one and a two, right? In terms of the three things. One thing is making progress. One thing is making progress, period. So when you reflect on your day, just did I make progress on anything? This is why um, there's that uh, famous parable. If you're a, a Navy SEAL, they have you make your bed every day. Because if you make your bed every day, even if you have the worst day ever that you did one thing, you got one thing done. So if you're trying, if you're looking for ways personally to be happier at work, that's the first thing, right? Is are you making progress? Now there's a second piece to that. Oh, I thought too. it was going to be make your bed. Well, that was the first thing. And then no, the second piece of that, the piece of research though, is it's not just making progress period, right? Yeah. Sending some emails. Okay. You're making progress, but okay. I, I never feel good if that's like the only thing I'm doing at the end of the day. I usually feel crabby and drained and like question my life choices and it becomes all existential. It's not enough, right? So let's keep it real. We, we both used thing. to care about that. We both <laughs> used to care about that email game. For me, I can tell you it is not as high up on my happiness zero. index. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Over time. And so the second piece is, is meaningful work. So it's gotta be work that means something to you. And again, a lot of dimensions here. So it could mean something to other people. It could mean something to you personally. It could mean something to the company, right? So you have to define what that meaning is, but it has to be meaningful in some way. Another way to break that down, is it tied to something bigger than yourself? Is it tied to a bigger idea? Is it tied to a bigger picture or a, a picture of a place that you're trying to get to that's better, right? 
that usually tends to make it more meaningful. So first thing is progress. Second thing is, is the, the meaning. The third, there's a few that could be the third. I'll um, give you four. You can, you, it doesn't have to be three. Okay. You got more happiness tips okay. for, the, for our, our audience here. Let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, I, so the, the, the third that they came to mind, again, this is research, is practice of gratitude is something that has been written a lot about, right? About how there are boosts in, in people's perceived levels of happiness when they are able to express gratitude. I, I work with CEOs where they'll try to practice gratitude weekly or even once a day or to help them feel happier. And then the fourth thing, I think, around happiness for yourself and for others, actually, especially if you're a leader is all about choice. So giving yourself more choice and giving other people more choice. So again, a lot of research done on this, how a sense of autonomy and optionality increases your perception of well-being and happiness. But personally, what this means very practically is just knowing that you always have a choice, right? Maybe you, for example, you're really sick of video calls, right? Maybe just have them be phone meetings. Know that you have a choice, right? You're thinking, oh, I'm really burnt out on emails know that you have a choice to take a day off emails and maybe put in a way out of office message right like you have a choice literally and everything and a lot of times we get really down in our work because we feel like we don't have any choice oh, i yes. have to attend this i have to show i have to do this part you always have a choice always right if you are a like knowledge worker living in america or like mm-hmm. you pretty much have a choice there's now granted there are some people who actually don't have choices but we generally more constraints some have more choice than others but in our job exactly. is, to, is to enable choice for the people more people who deserve it and uh, that's exactly. everybody and that, yeah exactly and 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 so then the second part of that is okay yes creating more choice for yourself but this then there's this idea and this is i think when i I have a lot of leaders who come to me who say claire how do i increase motivation how do i help people feel higher morale and a lot of the answers boil down to well creating more choice for people so when you see that someone is struggling uh, a direct report is struggling with the way that they're doing work giving them choice of hey would you want to try it this way or this way instead of just saying this is you need you just need to change this it's like giving them options of how to, to, to move forward. Uh, giving choice in, hey, would you, is this more helpful if this is due uh, by end of day tomorrow? Or would you like a few more days, right? Like choice. As a leader, you can give that choice. It's not just, hey, I just need this by this time. Hey, will you just do this like this? You can give choice in that. Really helps people feel so much better about the work they're doing. I, I'm glad I asked you for a fourth. I think that was a tip that was much needed. <laughs> and we, you and I, we've been talking about ideas around this choice, happiness, meaning of, you know, mm-hmm. life, one's life, progress, purpose. Like we've been talking about this for over a decade. So it's cool mm-hmm. to see how much you've refined your point of view in these areas. And I'm sure you've learned a ton and in interacting and helping so many other people now. So the way I want to close this out, Claire, is we have this thing called uh, Startup to Watch. It's like the last part of this segment. And both you and I can give a shout out to a company that we think people who made it this far listening to this podcast want to check out. So I'll start. Mine yeah. is a uh, mine is Frank getfrank.com. Logan LaHive's wow. company who's helping workers have a voice. He's helping them create meaningful change in their workplaces. So you talked about meaningful change in progress. My buddy Logan LaHive who's my predecessor as managing director of Techstar Chicago is doing just that. He did a founder story yesterday for our founders. It was incredible and uh, I'm really proud that he decided to go back from investor back to founder and he's doing his thing. So mm-hmm. definitely check out getfrank.com. That's mine. What's yours? Yeah. 
Oh, I definitely have one. So a uh, big hero of mine who, Neil, you also know, the Halima Nash Ooh, just Halima. launched her company. Yeah, just launched her company. Halima is an absolute powerhouse nonprofit executive. And she started her own company called Rosecrans Ventures that is a consulting service that helps pair underrepresented interns with companies. And so it's solving two problems, right? The talent shortage and lack of diversity that we see in companies that are, are so, we're so desperately needing. So if you're a leader, if you're a founder, if you're a CEO and you're like, I want my company to be more diverse and to be excellent, but I don't know where to hire interns from just because my Rolodex is really monochrome and I want it to be more diverse, but I don't have those connections. You talk to Rosecrans Ventures. On the other side, she's helping to actually train people of all backgrounds to actually be effective interns. And the reason I love this business so much, Neil, other than the fact that Halima is also just incredible. Great person. But I yeah. love this. Yeah, I love this business so much because when I think about my own experience of, quote unquote, how I got ahead, right? How did I learn how to become a CEO? mentorship talking to people like you talking to people like jason it's talking to people like logan it's mentorship people gave me shots they i sat in on meetings i shout i didn't go to school to learn how to become a ceo and guess how many people of color and uh underrepresented minorities don't get that opportunity to shadow mm -hmm. someone to, to have a mentor to be an intern right somewhere and so that's what rosecrans ventures is doing it's so massively important. Like you, she's essentially training our and placing our future leaders. So I'm so bullish on on this business. Claire, that was a fantastic shout out. That was probably the best one I've I've heard so far on this podcast. And uh, I will follow up that with an endorsement of Halima Nash, who I think is just an, an amazing human who's just going to do nothing but good for the world. So really proud that you mentioned her and called that out. And uh, let me call you out. So know your team. <laughs> Hello, everybody. KnowYourTeam.com. They've been on a long journey. Claire's been passionate about this for her entire adult life. I've seen it firsthand. And what she does is, is she helps managers, leaders, and everyone else in an organization figure out how to be their best and happiest self. So if that's something that's important to you, which it should be, and if it isn't, you should ask yourself some other questions. I would implore you to check her out and, and what she does in her team. They've been doing incredible work, and I couldn't be more proud to call her my friend. So I hope you all enjoyed uh, talking through a podcast. We're back at it. It's been, you know, rough 2021 so far with personal and professional things. But you know what? Startup life. We don't stop. We keep going. So we've got founders to support. My uh, Techstar Chicago program wraps up next week. We've got Demo Day. Couldn't be more excited for that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you all again. So see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. What did you think of this week's conversation? You can find our contact info in the episode notes, or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Neil Salas. I would love to hear from you, and I'll catch you next time.